Stories. Everybody's got them, and we can learn from each other. History can be traced through letters and writings, but the one thing that has remained throughout the generations is the oral tradition. Oral history is one attempt to pass along the stories, tales, musings, and remembrances of one family for the benefit of listeners for generations to come. Join us now for this episode of Oral History with Jeff Zulkowski. Welcome to the first episode of Oral History. My name is Jeff Zulkowski. Let me explain to you why oral history. Um, the tradition of oral history, and I know oral history is a take on that, but oral history as described in Wikipedia is the collection and study of historical information about individuals, families, important events, or everyday life through interviews. These interviews are conducted with people who participate in or observed past events and whose memories and perceptions of these are to be preserved as an oral record for future generations. The reason for oral history, the change in the name, and this particular podcast is that it's more about the listener than it is about the one speaking. Yes, I've got stories to tell, stories about my family, stories about my faith, stories about my friends and the things that God has accomplished in and through me, but it's more an opportunity to allow people, yourself included, my family, my friends, and even strangers, to hear from someone who's been through some things that might help them as well. So oral history is initially my attempt to pass along something to my daughter and to generations beyond her. But if you're listening and you're a fam member of my family, if you're a friend or you're a stranger, hopefully there's something for you too. Because as a, in addition to this podcast, we want to present you with some ideas about what it's like to live a life of faith. So I want to begin with a story, but in the words of Joey from Friends, I'm not really good with the jokes like Chandler. Yes, my wife and I are tremendous Friends fans. We've found uh, a reference to Friends in almost every situation. And in our lives, we try to live where we laugh every day and where we stand in dependence upon God every day. And sometimes that's easier, sometimes that's more difficult. And the first story I want to tell you is about one of those more difficult times. My father, Alex, uh, passed away in, in August of 2013. He had spent some time from shortly after my wife and her husband being released from the military with her and, and their family in Colorado Springs. And after a while, my sister was just feeling kind of used. And it's okay. I understand. Um, I was just in the process of being married in 2005 when it kind of came to a head for her and she needed some help. And she reached out to my brother and I. And, and at the time, having just been newly married, I didn't think that what was being asked was being asked of me. And so I set it aside and hurt my sister. And after a short period of time, it became obvious that my sister needed some help. So we made a plan for my dad to spend time with both my brother, 
my sister and myself. My sister lives in Colorado Springs in that area. My brother lives in the Albuquerque, New Mexico area, and I live in Cleveland, Ohio. So it became obvious to us that dad could spend time with each of us where it was warmest because he struggled with the cold. So when it was cold in Cleveland and it was cold in Colorado Springs, he would spend time in New Mexico. And when it was cold elsewhere and, and too warm in some areas, he would come spend time in those more northern climates. And so we divided the year up into quarters, pretty much. And my, did that, my dad did that for a couple of years. But after a couple of years, he came to me and he said, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to stay put and I want to stay in Cleveland and my kids can come to me. And we agreed and my dad moved in with us full time. And it was a great couple of years. He was still uh, very independent, very mobile, um, used a walker, but got around well, uh, spent time on a scooter, puttering up and down the neighborhood streets until he would fall off the scooter because of the rough sidewalks. But overall, his health was good and he was able to stay with us. But there was a period of time shortly before his death that he really struggled with his health. Um, in particular, we were in the process of, we had just adopted, I'll tell you that story later, we had just adopted our daughter Alexa, and we were caring, obviously, for her as young parents. <laughs> I say young, I was 40 years old at the time, and my wife was 36 when we got married. We were 45 and 41 when we had Alexa, but we were also helping uh, a niece of my wife. Her name's Brittany, and she and her husband were living with us with their little one as well. And it was baby central. And one of the things we did in our family is we have a great room on the back of our house, which was a tremendous draw for us buying the house. It's 12 foot elevated ceilings and just a stone fireplace. And we love the feel of that room, spend most of our lives there. But one of the beauties of it is, is it's sunken from the rest of the house. And so we had a couple of steps that were made of wood covered in carpet and it was very easy to take the steps and set them up on the platform and the kids being less than a year and even younger than that were able to play in the living room and not be able to get out and wander around the house they were safe there well one day my dad decided that he wanted to be down there with us and we weren't around at the moment and he decided to try to step off of this three-step landing onto the ground and he ended up in a heap on the floor and I heard the crash I came running in I find my dad I'm unable to pick him up I know he's hurting so we called the ambulance and they came and got him and he spent some time in the hospital for to make sure that everything was okay but beyond that he he needed to spend some time at a nursing home in some rehab as well to get better, to gain his strength back. And it was during that time that we were in the house and my dad was in the rehab that we determined that it was going to be really difficult for us to keep him safe in our home. Our home has some very narrow, what I would call choke points, some areas that it was very difficult for him to move through with his walker without having to turn the walker sideways. And with two little kids underfoot and a dog underfoot, it became obvious that our house was not the best place to care for my dad. And so my wife and I had one of the most difficult decisions that we ever had, and that was that Grandpa was going to stay in the nursing home. So 
I got in the car one evening and I drove over to that facility and I sat down with him as I had every day for the few days prior of his time in rehab. And I told him, Dad, we think it's best that you stay here and not come home. And I could feel how those words crushed my dad. You have to understand, my dad was always the breadwinner. He didn't bring home a lot when we were kids. Um, maybe $125 a week, but somehow he and my mom always managed to feed us, clothe us, and even give us gifts. We never really wanted for anything. We took vacations as a family, although none were extravagant. And my dad was the provider. And now all of a sudden he couldn't provide, and he was being told that he needed to spend time in a nursing home. And you have to understand, with this particular thing was very difficult for my dad. My mom had a stroke in 1998. She was about six years, seven years into a diagnosis of Parkinson's disease. And she was given a prognosis of what the end of her life would be like when she developed Parkinson's. And it would be a fertile mind trapped in a body that wouldn't cooperate. And when my mom had a stroke in 1998, she went from 60% of that path to 99% of that path in an instant. My mom spent the next five years in my sister's home with my dad caring for her in ways that I never, ever thought I would see out of my dad. When I was growing up, we were a family that lived life at full volume. If somebody wasn't yelling in the house, we weren't relating. If we were quiet, something was going on. And that's just how our family operated. But in those five years, albeit from a distance while I was in Nashville, Tennessee, and my parents were back in Colorado, I watched my dad love my mom in ways that I never thought he would love her. He bathed her. He changed her. He lifted her in and out of bed using a Hoyer lift every day, placed her in a chair, combed her hair, and loved her in a purely sacrificial way. He gave his life for her for five years. And she had always said prior to her having the stroke that she did not want to be in a nursing home. She knew what that would end up being like. And my dad was determined not to let her go there. But in 2003, he had to make that decision. And he put her in a nursing home. And she went from being so well cared for by my dad to being cared for like most people are cared for in a nursing home. They can't give everyone 100% of their attention, and so things happen. People develop bed sores. People have difficulties. People are alone more often, and that's what happened to my mom. My mom held on for two years uh, in that nursing home, and then Two weeks after my wife and I got married, I got word that my mom had passed away. And it was a few years after that that my dad moved in with us. And he did not want to go to a nursing home. He knew what the end of that road was like because he saw that in my mom's life. So when I told him that day that he wouldn't be coming home, I believe he hated me. For the very first time in his life, he still loved me, 
but for the very first time in my life, he hated me. My parents were, were strict growing up, but they were not punitive. My dad struck me once, and it was because I was goading him into it. When I was about eight years old, I decided to try reverse psychology on my dad. He was angry about something. He was backing me into a corner in our kitchen, talking to me, and I decided I would try reverse psychology as an eight-year-old. And I said to him, well, you're going to hit me, so you might as well go ahead and do it anyway. So he did. It wasn't hard, and, it, and I deserved it. But my parents loved us. I'll tell you in a future episode how much my parents loved me, the things that they protected me from. But in that day when I told my dad he wasn't coming home from the nursing home, I believe for the first time in my life he hated me. And he couldn't talk to me for a period of probably two weeks. Now, I'm very grateful for a friend of mine. Her name is Tracy, and she spent time with my dad because she had lost her dad several years prior and really missed her father. And she adopted my dad as a, another father figure, and she would go and spend time with him when I couldn't. Well, during those two weeks, she was the lifeline to him that I couldn't be because of how he felt about me at that time. And she took a recorder with her and she turned it on and she had discussions and things started light but things got deeper and things got more raw and he explained how he felt and I was able to hear from my dad first person the pain that he felt at that time. So in all of that I understood that he loved me, that he still loved me, and that we would again be reunited at least in our time together, our time of caring for one another, and we were. It was never quite the same. He stopped asking to come home after a period of time. He resigned himself to staying in that nursing home. He developed relationships with people that my dad was not a tremendously relational guy. He had close friends, but he didn't make friends easily. But he made a friend in his roommate that transcended his life. And my, my dad passed away. We were actually, my wife and I, in Colorado during uh, September, I believe, of 19, uh, 2013. And during that time, we were there for my 30th high school reunion, and we couldn't take my dad with us. We left our daughter with her grandparents, and we went to Colorado. And we had flown into Indianapolis. We were six hours from home in a car when I got the call from the nursing home that my dad had passed away. And I don't know exactly how that time, those last few minutes of your life are, but we've spoken to people in nursing homes and people who have pastored and loved and cared for people in that situation. And they have said that on more than one occasion, the people pick their time to give it up and go home. And I believe that was the case with my dad. I believe he didn't want to 
burden me when I when he when we came back I believe he wanted to exit on his own terms and he did he left a his roommate wailing in the room because of how he missed him and he left us mourning his loss and I just recently celebrated that passing of his and it still to this day shakes me it still moves me because I loved my dad. I loved my dad with all my heart. And in his last days, I had to make decisions for him that were difficult, hard beyond anything I could describe. But we did so in faith and we did so in love. And we knew when my dad passed that he'd gone to be with his Savior, Jesus. My dad's faith was abiding in Christ. Every day he spent time in his Bible, and his Bible was tattered and worn from its use. My dad loved the Lord. He loved my mom, and he demonstrated his love for my mom in ways that I can't express to you. But he, he demonstrated his love for the Lord in ways that I can't express either. He was so important to us that when we had our daughter, we knew regardless of whether we had a child, a boy or a girl, we were going to name that child after him. And I'll tell you that story in future episodes as well, because it's a Hallmark story that Hallmark would reject as being unbelievable. So my dad, in September of 2013 went to be with his Savior and he's no longer in pain he's no longer hurting he's living his best life now in heaven his life here was difficult and it was not what he wanted when my mom passed away even when my mom had her stroke a part of my dad died then and he longed to be with her and I know she's in heaven as well and I know they're together and I know they both love the Lord. And that's a legacy I can build my life on. Doesn't mean my faith is theirs. It means my faith is my own because my parents actually came to faith after I did. But I know they're with their Savior. And I know that future generations of my family can know that for certain. And Alexa, my daughter, can know that. So that's why I want to do this oral history podcast. Because I want to take the time to share stories like that. That not only will benefit my daughter and generations beyond her, of her kids and their kids, but might benefit you as well. You might be sitting here right now listening to this podcast and you're in the same situation. Or you're getting close to being in the situation of having to deal with an elderly parent not living in your home anymore. Well, know this. Others have gone there before you. And they've made it through. And you can call me. And you can talk to me about these things. Because I've been there too. And I came through it. 
I came through it because my Savior loves me. I came through it because my wife loves me. And I came through it because I know my dad loves me. So as we close our time together today, I want you to just know where we're headed in all of this. This oral history, this listening to me talk in a way that might inspire you, it might comfort you, it might challenge you, it might irritate you. But it's my goal that it's for you so that you can grow a little bit every day closer to Jesus, closer to your family, and enjoy life a little bit more. So I close today, and I'm going to close every time with a prayer. I want you to know that you're loved and cared for beyond anything that you even understand. So I want to pray for you right now. Father God in heaven, I pray that you would open eyes and ears of those listening right now. That if they're in pain, if they're hurting, they know they can turn to you. They know they can run to you because you are always faithful, ever present, and always loving. And so, Father, I commit into your hands these folks that are listening today, be it my family, be it my friends, be it perfect strangers, Lord, be it future friends. Let them know how much they are loved by you. Thank you for this time together. Thank you for our time together. And I hope to spend more time with you as we examine my life, my family, my faith, my friends, funny stories, challenging stories. We'll tackle them all together. Thanks for being here today. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Aural History. This has been a production of Z Media and is copyrighted with all rights reserved. Join us again next time.